Alright guys, welcome back to RTW's Wild History Ride. I'm Thomas. I'm Will. And I'm Rhonda. And we are starting a new a new style. From now on, our plan is to take a month and focus more on a theme. Because October's theme was, of course, haunted, mysteries, murders, things like that. Mm. Monsters. So we've decided that since... November is the month of Veterans Day here in the States. We are going to focus on military I like for the that. month of November. Yeah, I like having a theme for the month. Well, yeah. y'all y'all have a, a person in the family. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's awful. It's it's perfect. Uh, we have a lot of people in the family that were military. I don't have uh, a ton. Everybody but me. Yep. Was military. Yeah, it's true. Even your brother. Yeah. I always forget that. I always forget that part. Yeah, Eric was Navy and Army Reserve. And then dad was army. I've, I've got some questions as to a few things. You don't but, know what your dad was. He'll, he'll let you know when he wants to tell you that. Well, well, what's funny is when he enlisted, he was actually a Marine. Yeah. But he uh, basically, he wanted to be in the army. He got recruited as a Marine. And there was a dude at the bus stop with him. And uh, he, the, what he tells me is that they had little tickets yeah. that told him where they were supposed to go. It didn't have their names on it, but it, they were supposed to keep it with their ticket. There was a dude there that was going into the army that wanted to be a marine. They swapped tickets. Oh wow! Yeah. Now, wait a minute. I don't know that I've ever heard that story. That's what he told me. They told me that more than once. Rhonda, your whole marriage. No, <laughs> yeah, thirty yeah. years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but that's what I was told was that he initially enlisted in the Marines. Oh, and that he swapped tickets with somebody and went where he was supposed to go. I like that. Because I what he that wanted to be in the army. I wonder what that guy's doing now. Maybe he was like a super soldier, like Captain America or something. But uh, both my grandfathers served during World War II. Is that right? No. My dad was not old enough to be in World War II. Wasn't. I thought he did. No, it was. He was Korean War era. He was in the military right. then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom's a. My mater- I never met my maternal grandfather, but he was a Air Force. Yeah. Uh, Grandpa Tom was Air Force, right? Uh, no, I think he was Army, but he was in the Pacific. Yeah. And Ooh. then you have an uncle that was in Europe. Yeah. He was at Normandy, but I think he was the. Second wave. Oh God, I hope second or third. I don't know. Well, he was. It was just a few days, like D Day plus six or something. It was yeah. a very short time. It, it was only. It was like a. I'm not even sure if it was a whole week. I hope like he was the said. cleanup crew. I hope he was the last yeah, boat that but, arrived. But yes, yeah, so we have a lot of military on the Davis side, and some on well, quite a bit on the Heath side, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Thank you for your service. So, I didn't do jack, <laughs> but. Moving on, our episode today is going to be led by me, as it should be, as it should be. So So I get to kick this off. Uh, We're talking about Operation Mincemeat. I think I know which one that is. You do. I I was unaware until Uh, you kind of told me a little bit. Okay. Okay. Well, for those of you out there who watch the History Channel, you probably will be familiar with this particular story. Operation Mincemeat. What a good name. It's a... if it's one I'm thinking of, it's pretty weird and just plain odd. Uh, it's very detailed. And uh-huh. I'm not going to go into all of the detail, <clears throat> but certainly anyone who's interested should go out and, and check it out. Like and I said, on the History what Channel. Operation Minch- Mincemeat is. Yeah, NPR. There's several yeah. sources out there where you can find Operation Mincemeat. That is so cool. Like that name. That I know. Is creepy. I know. I think they had a list of names. It's just that one happened to be next on well, the Well, I want something like, you know... Uh, like I don't know. Like if you're gonna have a, some kind of operation, let it be something cool. Yeah, mincemeat. Oh. And they had names for 
I guess, pretty much everything. Mm. And this may be actually a two-parter. I haven't decided yet, but uh, I did find some other interesting operations that are out there. And uh, like I said, I may make this a two-parter. This one would be the the lengthier with just the one story. But there's so many other things that happened out there that that were intelligence-wise that are yeah. definitely worth mentioning. Well, I always think it's cool for stories like that because you always have so many different people and how they probably experienced like the operation. And I'm like, you could go on forever, I oh, feel yeah. like. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys ready for me to get started? I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Okay. In early 1943, which by this time uh, the U.S. was in World War II, but mm-hmm. the U.S. isn't really a part of this story. It's more British intelligence. But anyway, early 1943, the Allied forces needed a way to make the Axis powers think the Allies were about to invade Greece and Sardinia. Mm. But the actual target wasn't either of those two. It was actually an invasion of Sicily. Okay. Okay. So enter Ian Fleming. Yep. Which, Will, do you know who Ian Fleming is? I don't know if I do, actually. Well, the name Seriously? should be familiar to you. Maybe. Oh, wait, Ian Fleming? Isn't that... um. Keep going. You're there. Okay. Is you're, that Magneto? Oh, <laughs> my that Oh, it had the Ian part. I don't know. Uh, the creator of James know. Bond. Oh, he wrote okay. James Bond. Dude. Oh, Ian Fleming, yes, yes. Ian McClellan, whatever. Okay. Now, he is, in oh some God. sources, credited with coming up with this idea, and in some sources, he's not. So I'm not sure where the truth where the really truth lies. Is. It's there. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, as I said, we all know Ian Fleming as the creator of James Bond. But in World War II, he was a lieutenant commander and assistant to the head of British naval intelligence. That's pretty pretty lengthy there. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And he admitted at one point that he got the idea for Operation Mincemeat from a novel he'd read. But another source states that Rear Admiral John Godfrey, the director of naval intelligence, provided a memo listing ideas to get Axis U-boats uh, and surface ships lured toward minefields mm. and this was one of the one of the devices they were going to use i guess to to get the u-boats or surface ships to investigate and come closer yeah okay the gist of operation mincemeat <laughs> drop a body of a dead british serviceman with false or misleading information on the corpse oh. off the course off the coast of spain Oh wow! And these Spanish sympathizers, uh, Spanish sympathizers with Germany, would pass the information along to Germany. Britain would be able to intercept messages between Spain and Germany, as well as pass along additional misinformation to be picked up by the Germans. Wow! Like how how did they choose a body? Like you know, like eh, this one's in the morgue. Uh, well, it, it was a little bit of a lengthy process. I don't I don't have a lot of detail. I just read up about it. But anyway, just to back up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, England had uh, had already, I guess they had maybe the an, an enigma an enigma machine, I think is what it was called, mm-hmm. to do the decoding. Oh, or, okay. Uh, okay. Or maybe that was a copy of, or maybe that was one of the German machines that they had captured. I'm not really sure, I, and I'm sorry, I didn't have that kind of detail in my notes. But they were able to uh, decrypt, I guess, if you will, German messages. So yes. they will be able. They would be able to see once this happened, once this operation went off, whether or not the Germans were actually reading the information that was on this body or attached to this body. Mm. 
Okay, but that is exactly what happened. So on January 28th, 1943, a suitable body was located. <laughs> and there were certain requirements, you know, obviously. It, we just uh, picked one up. Well, they wanted someone who didn't have family, hadn't been claimed, uh, and was suitable, you know, not decomposed to a point where they couldn't pass this off as having been occurred fairly recently. Yes. So, okay. Okay. So the body was a Welshman. Glenn Veer Michael, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Oh, they that. actually had a name. Okay, cool. Yes, and actually I've seen some other things, uh, and I think it was only fairly recently they figured out who this person was, and it's gone back and forth as to who it was. And in this source, I assume, I mean, I, I assume this is accurate, Glenn Veer Michael. Uh, but I, as I said before, it went back and forth over the years. One one family saying, oh, I think it was our guy. Another oh. family, well, I think, you know, we're missing someone. It could be him. But this is the source I have. Uh, and he's a Welshman. And again, if I mispronounce this, I'm very sorry. A Welshman, and his name is Glenvere Michael. Glenvere Michael. Yep. And he was placed in a morgue for three months while the British intelligence officer, Charles, and I'll try to say this correctly, Thomas, you do it. Oh, he had it. He was looking at it. He's go, scooting over as we speak. I'm going to just try and assume it's uh, Coleman Deli. That sounds Col- good. Comandly. Something like that. I like Coleman Deli. Comandly. Something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a name I can't pronounce. Y'all, I'd have to hear it once. I thought Ian Fleming and Ian McClellan were the same people, so I think y'all are okay. <laughs> y'all okay. are okay. C-H-O-M-O-N-D-E-L-E-Y. Are there any weird little uh, accents or anything nope. in there? Okay. No, no. And anyway, so British intelligence officer Charles, as Thomas Whatever said, he wants to be. Col- Com- Commandelli. Commandelli. And Ewan Montague, which I can get that one. A naval representative worked out the information to be included on the body of uh, this Royal Marine. So they made him a Royal Marine captain, acting major. And his name, the name they gave him was William Martin. And they figured Martin, because there were a lot of men around the same age as this person, that could it, it could possibly have been, oh, uh, you know, have been this body. If the okay. Germans wanted to start looking for, okay, they could are, find are, it. Yeah, are there any, anyone named Martin in the Royal Marines? They could have done that because there okay. were plenty of, of people or men who had that last name. That is very neat. Yes. So a lot of detail went into this, as I said. And not only would the body carry details of the invasion plans, which was uh, which included the information that Sicily was a cover, but it would also include information on Major Martin's private life. Oh, so uh, okay, so they definitely really thought about this. They had to have a cover story. They did. They did. I mean, they went to the point of they had uh, someone write love letters. Oh. They actually had a picture of a fictitious girlfriend who was one a, a, a woman who was actually in the intelligence office. And they're like, hey, we're going to take a picture. Oh yeah, She's basically, like, uh. basically, uh, they had a letter a letter from Martin, and I'm doing air quotes. Martin's fake father, a receipt for a new shirt. They had ticket stubs from a London theater. Oh wow! And they had a bill of four nights lodging, and it just went on and on. Gosh, I guess he kept it all in his pocket or whatever uh, his wallet, I suppose. If they well, found him, he did. They did attach a briefcase. Oh, to okay, him. that's what it was. And uh, yeah, and they attached the briefcase. They.
you're transporting valuables and you handcuff yourself to it as part of a security detail, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what they were representing, someone who was shot down, the plane was shot down. Now, if they had... If they'd really thought about it like that and wanted to keep it on him, they could have made it look like he was someone with in like secure in uh, intelligence, which I guess in World War II we really didn't have. Oh, that's what this was. In, yeah, I mean, we didn't have like actual intelligence units. We didn't have the CIA, FBI. We had some cool female spies. Uh, we did. Yeah, but-, but, but what I mean is, we didn't have people that were like in some people who weren't active military. Like nowadays, we'll have people in suits with something strapped to their wrists carrying confidential information places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that may have occurred, have occurred back uh, in World War II also. Because remember, some of these uh, things that were going on, these organizations evolved into some of the things yeah. that we know today. Yeah, the OSS became CIA, CIA yeah. and things like that. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So yeah, yeah that was possible, <clears throat> but uh, I guess they were thinking. This wouldn't necessarily happen if you were sitting on a plane. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was just that kind of detail, the th- the thinking that went into this. And they also had um, uh, Captain Ronnie Reed of MI5. He resembled the corpse. Oh. And so they, they took a picture of him as uh, and put it on a Navy naval identity card to be him. Yeah. And, they, you know, someone, uh, I guess they carried it around for days or weeks and kind of roughed it up and made it look like it had been used for a while. And yeah. Brand spanking new, that kind of thing. So all of this. And I'm telling you, like, what if that body was, like, you know, it was just something where they just like all that work they put into it and they didn't even think about it. Give it a second thought or something. Oh, yeah. Had it, to work. It did work. And uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Montague asked MI5 to test different inks to determine which would last longer in water for use in creating these documents. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, a lot of thought. And on April 17th, 1943, the body of Michael dressed as Martin, along with a briefcase filled with the documents, began its journey, leaving London, and was driven to West Scotland. And what I was reading here was it was driven by a race car driver. Oh. It had to be somewhere fast. Hey, you got to go fast. And it was driven to West Scotland, where it was placed aboard the submarine HMS Seraph in a special container to keep it, you know, from Let me preserved here. Seraph. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got it right, didn't I? Yeah, you did. It was just, I was, I, there's like multiple words that are pronounced that way. Mm-hmm. That one there is Latin. Oh, it just Latin. means fire. Oh, okay. Like a seraphim in the Bible. Oh, the yeah. It means the fiery ones. Oh, okay. Like highest rank of angels. I didn't know that. Yes. I learned something all That's the time. That's an expert history podcast. Yeah. Biblical podcast. Part two. Uh, well, which which story you want to cover? Because there's a bunch. Oh, well, I don't know. I guess take your pick. <laughs> let's right, wrap let's this one on. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious. So, so it was put in a special container to keep it from decomposing anymore because this mm. one had been, the body had been in a Three morgue, months. remember, and it had been yeah. cold, kept cold, and so they had to uh, contain it. On um, So it was put aboard the Seraph uh, submarine. Yeah, might as well just say it. Oh, he stumped. Well, well, well. Oh. Try and pronounce it. Uh, well, you know, I wanted to have some accuracy. Because you, you don't pronounce the H in... Uh, 
Spanish. I imagine there's a lot. When I say coast of southern Spain, there's probably it probably covers a lot yeah. of territory. Oh. Huelva is what I'd say. Huelva. Okay. So the container, uh, the uh, submarine surfaced. The container was brought on deck, opened, and the body was placed in the water. And the uh, captain had the uh, submarine, uh, before it went under, uh, I guess put turn on the engines, however you want to say it, so that the submarine screws pushed the body towards shore oh, so that they could I, see that was happening. And then they uh, took the container back in the submarine and went on their way. And actually the, what they did is after they got so far offshore, they brought the container up and exploded it so that it was gone. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, well, and my thing is, is like, uh, gosh, like if somebody else would have gotten it, I guess that would, uh, that they weren't familiar with, like, what if like somebody else picked up the body? You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would have had to get back to them anyway. I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot that could go wrong with this operation. Uh, there is. They were kind of leaving <laughs> yeah, it up to chance. That... Everything could have gone wrong. Yeah. But that's yeah. the case with a lot of espionage type things. Uh, one little thing going wrong can screw it all. Yes. I mean, you have to. You have to be planning, and you have to have contingencies in case things go wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But you're right, Will. I mean, uh, uh, tide change or whatever could have swept it on out to sea. I don't know. Yeah, a shark. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, so the body was found later that morning by a local fisherman, and he took the uh, body to Huelva. Oh, I like that. Huelva is what I pronounce it. And uh, was taken to Huelva by Spanish soldiers. The British vice consul, Francis has and I'm terrible. Can you have normal names? Give me a Has, Hazelden. Jim Bob. Right. Hazelden. Jim Bob. Hazelden. Yeah, Hazelden. Hazelden. Got it. Another one whatever, I got right. Whatever you want to say. Jim okay. Bob. Was notified by the Spanish that they had the body. And he sent uh, pre-scripted cables to his superiors stating that it was important to retrieve Martin's briefcase. Uh-huh. So, you know, here we go. Here we go. We now, now we're talking. Okay. And the Germans knew that, the, or the British knew that the Germans were intercepting these cables. Yeah. They could see that they were reading these things. Okay. And then on May the 11th, the briefcase and documents were returned to Hazelden by the Spanish, but not before the information had been photographed and provided to the Germans. And what they had done, and I don't know which one of these guys, I don't know if it was Montague or which one, had put an eyelash inside one of the letters because they figured it would be so small that if they opened it, it would fall out. Yeah. And so that's how they knew that these things had been read because the eyelash was gone. Oh, well, what if it was in the briefcase? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, it would have gotten out of there somewhere. I know, somehow, some way. Major Martin was buried in the San Marcos section of Nuestra, hopefully I've got that right, Sonora Cemetery. Nuestra Sonora. Cemetery in Huelva. Huelva. Is that right? Huelva. I think, I think language is, is very, uh, you can say what you want to say, and that's how it is. H-U-E-L-V-A. Thomas, we're also white men from Alabama. I said, I, she can say it however she wants to. Fine. <laughs> Okay, well, hopefully that's the last time I have to say it. <laughs> all right, but of course, all of these of the information was digested by the Germans, and it worked. They thought that the that Sicily was not going to be the invasion point, but Greece and Sardinia. So Hitler doubled the German troops in Sardinia and moved torpedo boats from Sicily to the Greek islands to prepare for the invasion, and moved the first Panzer, Panzer division from France to. Slonika, and I'm not sure where that is. These are cool. I'm not going to try. Slonika sounds right, right? (laughs) Looks right to me. 
And on July 19th, the Allies invaded Sicily. Hours later, Germany was still moving aircraft out of Sicily to reinforce Sardinia. And even days later, Hitler sent General General Erwin Rommel, so Slonika, to defend the area. British losses, loss of life and ships was significantly less than what had been estimated and the campaign lasting 38 days instead of the 90 days that had been predicted. Oh, wow. So, so it worked. It did work. It did work. So in, uh, you know, three months of planning is what it looked like from yeah. the time they uh, located a body until they actually put it on board the submarine. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But I hope they did something nice for, you know, that guy. I hope they gave him some kind of medal. I know he's dead, but, you know, I don't know, something to commemorate him. He helped. Well, I'm, all you have to do is look up Operation Mincemeat, and there you go. And you'll then learn you'll about it. it. That's very cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's pretty It's neat. also kind of weird that we that's the way we decided to do things. I know. But, I feel like there were there could have been different ways to do it. Yeah, but, yeah. But hey, I mean, it worked. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I know hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, I don't know how how you would have done it differently. That I'm sure there are ways you could have done it differently. But the misinformation and getting them to, I guess, basically not even doubt it. Yeah, yeah. But to take it at face value and run with it. Well, the documents and stuff were pretty immaculate. It sounds like you know, like you are just perfect. You know, yeah. they had the right ink, the right wear and tear, the right you know clothes. Everything was perfect. Yeah, yeah. well thought out. It was oh well God. thought out. But uh, that's all I had today. And again, if you want to research it, there's plenty of uh, plenty of information out there about Operation Mincemeat. Uh, some of my information came from the History Channel or History.com. Some from NPR. I'll have all my sources listed in my notes yes on yes. the podcast but that's what i had and i thought it was very interesting me. that's cool i feel like thomas named that no, i would have named it i would not have named it that mincemeat's pretty cool i would have named like it cold it. cut oh cold <laughs> cut would have been good i don't know I, was, I feel like there's a lot of cool names i, I, I was thinking like desert storm you know like that, i think like, that's been used that has been yeah used. That i would has say so used. although it hadn't been used by that point. hadn't been used by that point no. operation desert but, storm all back right in the 40s. with that being said that was a pretty good episode to start us out on our month of military. Uh, I don't know what our next episode is. And then we have one down the line that might be history, might be mythology, might be who knows what. So I love all of those things. We're going to just move forward. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll catch you next time. All right, bye, guys. Until next week.